Anthropology. My name is Dylan. And my name is Kevin. <laughs> and we are back for another episode here on the 4th of February, 2022. Got it right that time on uh, KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks. Uh, so how are you doing today, Kevin? Doing fantastic. Uh, back in the studio. Back. Nice to be back. Uh, we're now officially every other week and uh you know it's it's kind of nice to have an every other week it's like you know you, you spend the week thinking about the episode that you recorded last week um and yeah it's always nice to catch up it's like my long-awaited friend dylan is now every other week available on spotify and on apple music and on our website at anchor fm speaking of anthropology anyways Award-winning show, by the way, just just to drop that note in here. But, uh, you know, I'm flexing just because there's somebody else in here today uh, who's joining us today. But uh, I'll I'll let maybe actually I'll let Dylan briefly introduce JC as best as he can. And then I'll add on. How's that sound, Dylan? The challenge begins. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Okay. thanks for that, Kevin. Uh, Thank you for making me introduce your friend. That is that is. (laughs) <laughs> that is great. Yeah, today we are uh, we are joined by JC, uh, who, you know, some folks uh, might know because uh, he also has a show on uh, KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks, but I'll let him plug that. But yeah, a friend of Kevin's, a friend of the show now. Uh, welcome to Speaking of Anthropology, JC. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was I was going to say Kevin didn't want to introduce me. Like, how dare he? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, there's a common trend, I think, on speaking of anthropology where um, I will initially like just throw a prompt at Dylan and uh, which we will throw at you today, JC, as today is a very good Friday show where we're just going to have fun and chat. Um, but yeah, no, Juan Cruz Montavo, formerly known as JC. Some people know him as JC. Others know him <laughs> as Juan Cruz. Um, awesome guy. We met freshman year here at UAF. Yep, without actually knowing that we were in the same group. Exactly. It, you know, it's it's Dylan. I think to, to to preface this, you know, that admissions page, you know, on UAF website, and mm-hmm. they have like these group tours that they used to host back in the. They still do. Um, we both looked at it one day and we're like, we're both in the same photo. We did not formally know each other in that photo, and that. As fate has told it is now what I think brought us together. We were we were we were day we we're friends from day one, so it seems. Um, uh, but yeah, no. Uh, JC uh, is also a graduate here of the from the University of Alaska Fairbanks as well. Finally, <laughs> finally. <laughs> um, so JC, why don't you t- tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, my name is Juan Cruz Montalvo Rivas. I am the host of Two Peas in the Snow on KSUA. Uh, it's a show with me and my co-host, Kristen, uh, Gato, I always say Gato, and I know that's wrong to say her, how her last name is, uh, pretty much each week we discuss a random topic, uh, nothing, uh, formulaic or anything, we just kind of go with whatnot, um, last, ep- last episode, which was this Wednesday, um, we talked about Valentine's Day and love self-love um yeah we just had a, a pretty good time is random topics i was enjoying it um as for myself a little bit of my background um graduated uaf with a degree in foreign languages 
and a minor in teaching English in teaching English as a second language. There we go. <laughs> I was say something else. Um, and yeah, I lived all over the place. Usually, when people ask me, like, "Oh, where are you from?" I'm like, uh, uh, I'm a little bit of everywhere. Born in California, Minnesota, El Salvador, Virginia, and now in Alaska. And then who knows where to next? You know, it'll the, be something. The world is your oyster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and well, beyond, um, so you studied TESOL, um, and then you also have a like you had an interest. I think you did a minor, I believe, in Japanese studies, right? No, uh, uh, TESOL is my minor. TESOL is your minor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I we always have conversations. I think JC and I because we have similar. Um, I, I I would say similar you know, journeys to Alaska, um, as we all have experienced, I think, um, of those who come to Alaska and JC's talked about it quite a bit on two peas in the snow. Again, we'll plug that show again. <laughs> and I hope he plugs our show, um, next time. But, um, you know, we, we talk a little bit about, um, or we often talk about, you know, the experience of being, um, an American, but, um, you know, having, another language under your belt or having a different culture that's a part of you, a part of your identity. Um, you mentioned the where you're from question earlier. I mean, we get that a lot. I think like people will see you, you're in Fairbanks and they're like, wait, where are you from? You know, where, where, where are you, why are you here? Um, it's so cold. We've talked about it, right, Dylan, um, too. Uh, whereas I know, Dylan, you've grown up here. So, you know, your journey now takes you farther away from Fairbanks, which is interesting to talk about too. But Anyways, I thought we'd have a dialogue today. Um, also interested, JC, in talking to you about, you know, kind of your language interests and passion um, and, you know, maybe growing up in El Salvador and then, you know, or El Salvador, Virginia, California, <laughs> everywhere and Alaska, um, you know, meeting so many different people. Um, and, you know, you yourself um, have such a, a vast experience. And I think out of all of my friends, I think Dylan, you, you know a lot of people, but JC, I'm going to say this, Dylan. JC knows everyone in Fairbanks. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I think we, what was it, the, the State Fair this summer? You know, the Alaska State Fair, uh, or sorry, not the the Fairbanks. It was the the street fair, the midnight midnight sun, fest, sun festival. Yeah, uh, which Dylan, you told me to go to, and JC mm -hmm. and I went, and so we biked there. Um, and Dylan, this is this is great. Like, you know, two anthrop two two anthropologists with the linguists. Uh, the linguist wins that competition easily. He knew more people than I did at the Midnight Sun Festival. We were walking through. I think we spent like two hours maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And he met, he saw like 10, peop 10 yeah, people. Yeah, around 10 people. And I only saw like five people <laughs> that I knew. Different people, of course. Like we didn't count the same uh -huh. people, you know, Dylan. But uh, anyway, so Juan Cruz Montavo, JC, on the show today. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, being able to beat you out, Kevin, in terms of knowing people is also quite impressive because you, you uh, are quite a social, a social individual. And <laughs> you know, a lot of folks, a lot of people that I never would have met uh, that I did meet thanks to you through you. So uh, yeah, you know, that is, that is pretty, pretty amusing to me at, at several levels, but I guess it's a victory for the linguists on this <laughs> one. <huh? laughs> a linguist? Linguist who could potentially be a linguistic anthropologist, maybe I don't know. We can uh, give an honorary anthropology. You know, this is our, our show. Literally, all we do is just give out honorary anthropology degrees on behalf of our show only. Not any degree. Only on degree. behalf of the show, not on behalf of literally anything else. We need to start creating certificates. That's what we need to do. Um, I don't really feel like becoming a degree mill. <laughs> 
Just find just find something on Word, like one of those generic degrees. Just fill it in. Yeah, you know, resume. Some. Um, yeah. So I mean, Dylan. Uh, you know, I don't know if you have any questions for JC off the top of your head. Um, you know, but in terms of, you know, what what who he is, what his background is, and maybe his experiences. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I am a little curious about. Um, I guess, as you said, right, you're you're not necessarily from one place per se, but so I'm kind of curious then about the whole, um, if one can describe it, a structure as a whole, right, for you of of um, growing up and living in in different places and moving around a lot, like, uh, you know, what was that like? Um, you know, was that a, a wholly new thing every time? Were there different things driving that? I'm just, I'm, I'm very curious about that pattern as a whole for you in your life, JC. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> Sorry. So, although I say that I've moved all over the place, I think um, in terms of the places that I've been, Alaska has been so far the most fruitful when it comes to self-development, learning about others, and um, again, just kind of being a social butterfly. I think I've managed to get to my full potential, <laughs> I would say. So it's like some background, I guess. Uh, so I was born in California, LA, but I was one years old when we moved to Minnesota. So in Minnesota, was there until I was nine years old. Um, parents decided to um, move back to their home country of El Salvador. Um, they went through a process, you know, kind of giving up their uh, green cards and stuff, you know, so in some sense, you know, their record would be clean. Uh, by that, I'm not, you know, criminal or something like that. It's just in general, you know, hey, here's our paperwork that you gave us or whatnot. Um, so if someone were to, you know, use their Social Security or whatever, um, they can be like, hey, we weren't in the country. We have proof that we've left and not returned. So stuff like that. Um, so experience there. Didn't know, side note, didn't know about the whole um, Minnesota accent. I never heard it. Like, I never thought about it at all until I came back. Like, oh, yeah, you, you lived in Minnesota. You know about the Minnesota accent? I'm like, what? No, I didn't know. Uh, but, yeah, so moved to El Salvador till I was 16. Really rural area. Uh, farmers and, uh, like, farming and all that stuff. Um, really labor-intensive, yet... Uh, a lot of self-growth um, and understanding there. Uh, I felt that there were points that I felt like, I guess, bad that I left. Um, what I thought I had started in um, Minnesota, mainly not saying goodbye to uh, my one of my best friends and not being able to really express myself to one of my teachers, uh, who she was like really great, I just felt like, you know, kind of the, the saying, you know, like a man, man doesn't cry or whatever. So I really wanted to cry at that, at that point when I was seeing my third grade teacher because I was in fourth grade when I moved. But my sister's third grade teacher told my teacher, who she had uh, uh, retired, that we were leaving. So she decided to come on the day that we were going to leave, like the last day. And so we had a conversation with her and uh, because I saw all the other dudes or whatever they're like oh you know i felt like i shouldn't cry you know whatever so 
a little bit of resentment on that self on that part. Um, and so definitely that time, uh, uh, the time in El Salvador really helped me understand uh, how to kind of move on from the past uh, and not get too focused in it. You know, I feel that there's a lot of people who experience a lot of things, um, you know, when they're younger and or even now and then they might have a hard time kind of accepting what happened and to move on. Uh, so I, I think I, in some sense, I'm glad that I kind of caught on to that like pretty early on. So that made my journey kind of moving around a little bit more easier uh, in, in some sense. Um, so then, yeah, 16, moved to Virginia, high school. I like to say that there's... N- Virginia didn't offer me anything <laughs> apart from, <laughs> you know, my my sisters live there and my my high school friends. So those are the only two reasons I would go there. Sure, I have my family and whatnot, but I was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> it's like I said, I was there for four years and I never once went to um, to New York. Mm-hmm. And my family would constantly go to New York, <laughs> and I never went once. And then when I was working, they were like, "Hey, uh, like just 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 call a day off, you know? Let's go to <laughs> let's go to New York." I'm like, "I'm working because I need to start saving up money to, you know, come mm-hmm. over here." So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Well, now you have an excuse to go to New York, I think, because um, well, Dylan's there and he's at uh, you know in the Bronx, busy. Uh, <laughs> you know, browsing the bodegas. I said, I just wanted to alliterate there. You, you I've are been, very interested in the bodegas. I, I am. I don't know why, but uh. no, I, indeed. <laughs> New, York, New York definitely seems like an interesting place, more to to visit rather than live. I'm a, sorry, there. I'm sorry to say that, but I'm, um, yeah, I'm not a visiting. loyal I mean, New Yorker. You yeah, are a, a, you've only visited right for now. You know, until you live long enough, right? I, there's like a certain amount of time. Yeah, like I definitely understand that uh, New York has a really rich culture um, within itself, but I think that, like the city itself, it's played up too much, like a, a notch. Because I think the people who live there really don't don't think about it until it's brought up to them. They're like, "Oh, your your culture is like so rich. Like what you do is like so unique," and that's when they're like, "Yeah," you know, like they feel pride in that. But anything else, they just kind of consider it as their their daily life. You know, yeah. You, you don't think more about it. I think the same thing you could apply to people in Alaska, right? For sure, hey, people who've lived think- here. Yeah, I think that's something that um, <laughs> that uh, like a lot of people seem to to maybe struggle with is the idea that everywhere is basically just a place that people live, right? And they'll talk about, oh, you know, it's so exotic, or oh, it's so dangerous, you know. Especially, I'll tell you what, living in the Bronx, the reactions I get from some people telling them where I live, right? That's a whole interesting thing to unpack in and of itself, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot going on there, you know. But it's like people have all these conceptions like, Oh, Alaska, you know, this beautiful, like untouched, pristine wilderness in New York, you know, the big glitzy city, but it, it, they're all just places that people live. You know, you, you move there, you know, you spend time there, you have the humdrum of your day to day stuff. And yeah, I mean, there's cool things everywhere has its peculiarities. Right. But ultimately they're places that people live. Right. And you know, they're just daily, you know, 
routine things that are going on, things that um, in some ways might be different, but in some ways are all recognizable, right? People are, you know, fundamentally still needing to go to work, to, you know, uh, eat, to, you know, if they have kids, raise a family, you know, or yeah. do these things, you know, look for a partner, you know, like there's, it's, yeah, it's just another, you know, it's just another place that people, that people live, you know, and it can be uh, sometimes an interesting one and sometimes, uh, you know, kind of, kind of boring, right. Kind of just day-to-day stuff. Yeah. I think, so. It, yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah. As I say, funny how you, you say that, because I guess as you two, as like anthropologists, you would need to technically speaking, think outside of the box and I guess be the ones who question people's everyday lives and, and, really see what actually makes it unique um circumstances place of living you know many different factors depending on which anthropological like section you you go in yeah yeah and so getting into that then there is that but i think also like where i'm coming from with this too is born out of the response of like again like with the bronx thing right like the responses that i get like oh you live in the bronx like i've had people say to me before like isn't that dangerous right Mm -hmm. so also to me it's part of the like understanding of like people have certain assumptions about places right and trying to look at those through an anthropological lens will also like not buying into those assumptions yourself right and realizing that no matter where you go in the world right you are just going to find people who are living. And those those can be quite interesting things. And those are, you know, what we study as anthropologists, right? But um, especially with the legacy that anthropology has is trying to grapple with a discipline that was founded in, was and is involved in a lot of, you know, colonial exploitative forms of knowledge production and stuff, right? You you sort of got to think about these things and, you know, try not to be like, oh, I'm going to this fantastical exotic place with these, you know, real weird people that I'm going to study and publish a book on, you know, and they'll be, you know, my people and, you know, like that weird kind of classic, like go to the South Seas or whatever kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, to me, it's, it's part of that, like, you know, just trying to understand, like, uh, yes, absolutely study, study what makes, you know, what is their routine lives? What is, you know, different about it what maybe is cross-culturally similar but without you know exoticizing it right or creating these sorts of buying into the fantastical imaginaries that uh you know people can and do develop about about places in the world right uh because that's uh not helpful can you know perpetuate um harmful harmful stereotypes harmful you know policies and stuff and so you know just trying to trying to navigate that particular uh set of understandings uh i think so i don't know kevin if you have any thoughts on that particular set of issues sure yeah i mean i'm just thinking back on what you were talking about earlier jc i think you're mentioning you know moving to different places and having different experiences um you know some places you had joy some places you had resentment you know you you have moments where you felt like you you could go back and others you can't um I, I think this brings up a question about a sense of belonging. I mean, Dylan, I was just trying to justify, you know, you're, are you a New Yorker now, right? Um, you know, there's this sense of belonging where JC is now an Alaskan because he actually has an Alaskan residency, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, which you've applied for. But, you know, beyond the, you know, I think it's like a, a 
title. I think the title, it's a nine, 12, one year or two year period that you have to be in a state in order to get residency. Is residency a sense of belonging? Maybe is that the ultimate goal? Um, you know, or is, you know, Dylan, for you, now that you've been in New York for what, like f- four or five months now? No, four months? Four months. <laughs> Oh, Dylan's counting right now for the lowest. Yeah, uh, five months, <laughs> I think. Fingers. Yeah, <laughs> five, five months. months. Yeah, you know, five months. Um, you know, what is that time period of like the minimum and the maximum of I can now officially be and belong somewhere, right? Um, you know, the you know, I, I have an example, right? I, I think this is an experience that we could all have and um, anthropologically we can understand is we adapt to the cultures and the ways of the people and the behaviors around us. Right. We try to fit in and both as well, try to like bring our experiences uh, to bring these culture cross cultural experiences in to a community. Um, you know, recently we celebrated lunar new year or Chinese new year or, um, spring festival. Right. That was something that I brought, um, to my community here, you know, amongst the people I live with. Um, but how do you like, find that right balance. Um, so I think one, one, one thought that I, I maybe can bring up and we, we can talk a little bit more about is, you know, what is this sense of belonging? You know, <laughs> are we ever really anywhere if we're not somewhere, <laughs> you know, are we always traveling and technically, you know, I know, I know a lot of high school students, um, and to many of our listeners, maybe who are potential anthropologists, they join anthropology because they want to travel the world, right? I, I've met IR, international relations majors. They do IR because they want to travel the world. Um, I've met people like JC who want to be a linguist who want to travel the world as well, right? Um, and in see places. Yeah, yeah some <clears throat> some senses. Um, and uh, be able to communicate and learn and, and be a part of this, this worldly experience. And yet it can seem very daunting at times, right? Um, so maybe we can address that and maybe think about, I don't know, um, you know, JC applied for, uh, if you don't mind me saying on air, but applied for Peace Corps mm. and you know, what, what is, where is that going to take him? What is, um, that is like a quintessential anthropological experience. You're, you're being and helping a community at the same time. Yeah. Right? I, I was going to say, uh, kind of start off, um, with your question, your, I guess, comment on have having a sense of belonging in a place, um, where you've been, uh, Considering that I've been here for almost close to five years now, I, you know, again, title-wise, right, I technically speaking am an Alaskan. However, I feel personally that I haven't done many things that are, you could consider Alaskan or just standard. Like, I haven't gone hunting, uh... Snow machining, not snowmobile. <laughs> uh, you haven't changed that the way you say that, right, Dylan? <laughs> You're not New York. No. It, it, it sounds wrong to say snowmobile. I don't know what a snowmobile is. Like snowflakes you hang over a children's crib? I don't know. Snow machine. Mobile. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of those different things, ice fish, fishing, for say, you know, I haven't done any of those. And those are opportunities I really want to, to experience. Um, because I feel some sense of responsibility for having to, I guess, represent now Alaska. Mm-hmm. Like, I should have more information about it, actual experiences, so I can fit what other people think is 
the the core Alaskan experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know definitely right now if I were to go back and be like, oh, have you done this, this? And I say no, I feel like they would be like, well, are you truly an Alaskan? Or like, have you truly experienced Alaska? And that's a pretty interesting predicament mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of leading from there to uh, the Peace Corps. Yeah. Um, so I've applied for Peace Corps as well as the JET program, yeah. uh, Japan Exchange Teachers. Um, both opportunities are pretty unique and interesting in where they would take me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and funny enough, for, for me, I've done this like psychoanalysis <laughs> of my, my time living both in the United States as well as in El Salvador and kind of piecing together what are the similarities and the differences within um, both cultures. Mm-hmm. And I was especially inclined with Japan um, for the reason of seeing the, like talking to the older generation um, and kind of getting to know what were some significant cultural values, um, events, and things that was lost, especially after like World War II, let's say. Um, what, what, what things were they willing to sacrifice in order to um, to have this spike of um, progress, you know, they ramped up in their industries and stuff to get to where they are now. But what was lost due to that? So that's definitely was one of my like one of the things I was pretty interested in when if I were to go to Japan, just going to the rural areas. I feel like. Sure, you have you could potentially find the same answer in a city, but I feel like again mindset might be different uh, compared to a more compared to uh, somebody who lives in a rural area, because I think that their their life has been pretty standard and stable throughout mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah, so they are most likely to um, retain more valuable information about culture versus someone who has uh, assimilated themselves into the city. Mm-hmm. And I say this because I've seen it um, in El Salvador itself, having um, family members who have moved into more populous areas, um, they have a hard time recalling on specific traditions or ways of life, um, or they, they might even see their previous way of life as uh, something, you know, low, you know, there, there might be that criticism of that. Meanwhile, you have, uh, like I had family members who've always lived in a more rural area, just simple life, uh, but, but recall so much more uh, richer culture stories and stuff that really, I guess, helps um, set up a better frame in mm-hmm. as of um, why how this culture was at a specific time period. Yeah, that's a it's kind of a a, a tricky issue, right? Of um, 
<laughs> actually the class that I have today kind of ties into this because it is it's historical anthropology right so this idea of you know trying to to discuss with people and in part ethnographically collect information but about stuff that um happened in the past you know that might not no longer be practiced right um you know and that that is kind of similar to what you're getting at right of of uh especially with with the japan case right of you're very interested in basically what um what was given up right in as japan was um reconstructing in the post-war period so yeah it's uh a very <laughs> interesting question and one that's very very topical for me and that i'm you know begun thinking about through the lens of this course i have and and uh I'm not at any firm conclusions because I have I have a couple months to go until the end of the semester, <laughs> yeah. you know. So I've got I mean, learn more about that. But yeah, I, I definitely uh, can see the um, why why you'd be interested in those things. It's definitely very very um, interesting uh, interesting problems to play with. I will say too, to, just to go back on the Alaska thing too, I find it interesting the sort of things that you say about like oh you know uh, hunting and fishing and, and these you know this is like. Uh, the very model of a modern Alaskan or whatever, you know, um, rip off Gilbert and Sullivan there, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, <laughs> uh, but like growing up in Alaska, one of the things that, um, I remember we would, uh, you know, especially in my family, but you know, people you talk to, you would use as, as the evaluator is like, um, well, you know, like winters spent in Alaska, right. Because that is, uh, <laughs> basically, you know, that's, that's kind of the test, right. Is, are you someone who spends winters in Alaska, right? You know, how many winters have you spent in Alaska, right? Like, especially to, um, I recall talking about, you know, like um, folks who would come up, uh, you know, because they're stationed on Wainwright and it's like, oh boy, they're going to, you know, have a fun time. They get up in August, whatever. It's like, yeah, that's going to be fun for them come December. You know, that's going to be uh, quite a change, you know, right? And so, you know, these sorts of, of considerations about um, <laughs> basically the, the, endurance test right the yeah. test of aptitude to live in alaska and and so definitely i'm sure that there are people who do emphasize um you know certain aspects more than others but what, what i can recollect from my own upbringing was this consideration basically of just how many you know the winters that you've you've spent in alaska right which also uh made it very funny when i would talk about uh Kevin's experiences in Alaska with my family because when I told them, you know, that he was finally spending a summer in Alaska, they were like, <laughs> "What is wrong with that poor man? Like yeah. he went through all those winters and he never got the payoff, right? Yeah. You know, um, and so there's that's you know also those those sorts of attitudes to it, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean that's a you know also like you could argue from a legal perspective, Alaska is convenient in that. Your proof of residency is basically if you qualify for the PFD, right? But I, I don't necessarily emphasize uh, the legal aspect of that so much and how I would think of conceptualizing whether or not someone's in Alaska. But yeah, there's there's a, a multitude of approaches on that one for sure. Yeah, I, with the PFD stuff, for me, it was like you got to be here for two years, only have have left the state for no more than one month. If I passed a month, I wouldn't qualify to become a resident. Yeah. The PFD for our listeners is the permanent fund dividend, essentially um, a dividend provided by the federal government, or sorry, from the state government um, to Alaskan residents um, yearly, essentially. And yeah. uh, it ranges from year to year. So it's yeah. a different amount. But. And 
for the other people, it's that one joke done in the Simpsons movie <laughs> when they go up to Alaska. That's, <laughs> that's you get paid to live here. So, yeah. <laughs> however, yeah. I've never once taken the the PFD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's an option. Um, you know, I, I yeah, I think we've talked a bit about you know identity and and you know what cultures and values you have. You know, this is something that I I, I recently um, had a had a conversation with somebody about, but you know, this disbelief of storytelling too, um, exaggeration. So I'll explain a little more, but. Um, we, we talk a little bit about, um, you know, what if somebody tells you this outlandish story of living and experiencing Alaska, you know, the, the most extremes, right? It's negative 40 every day. You see the Northern Lights outside every night. It's like a, it's a switch that you can just turn on and the Northern Lights are in the sky. The moose are just tr- trotting about and you can uh, pat a moose uh, like, like it's a... Like it's a friendly animal. Um, there's totally penguins up there's here. There's totally penguins <laughs> up here. Um, <laughs> Santa Claus is just down the lane, and you can go um, help. Well, him that out. one, that one's true. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in North Pole. That one's true. You can just go help him out with some some of his stuff. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's these stories that people tell, and I, and Dylan, you might remember this from History of Anthropology with Dr. Plate. But there's, or actually, sorry, yeah, his his class, and also with Dr. Elaine Drew as well. Um, there's this like graphic, cartoon graphic that they show us of like, um, you know, a, a colonial expedition person landing on a beach, and inside the house, um, they're like plotting a scheme of like how they're gonna outlandishly tell them what their culture is, um, and that that moment always pops up in my head. Um, not, not to say that I'm not a trustworthy person, uh, or I don't trust anyone, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of that, that idea of like, how do you, at what point understand who's telling the right thing and w- what the true value is, right? Um, the conversation that I had was in a group and we were talking about traditional ecological knowledge. So indigenous knowledge here in Alaska, um, you know, somebody had brought up an example of like. You know, whales, uh, I think folks up in Utiagavik, um had found out that whales can smell like long, long time ago. And scientists maybe like 20, 20 years ago or so, 15 years ago, had only scientifically finally proven that whales can smell. And yet we spent so much time disbelieving, you know, that, um, you know, so I, you know, it's just two thoughts that I thought I'd bring up. And since we each come from very different backgrounds, I think it'd be interesting kind of talk about our respective experiences with hearing stories, but also telling stories. Um, I won't lie. Exaggeration is fun. It does bring a smile on somebody's face. Um, You know, makes them think twice about what you're saying and and makes you a more interesting person. Um, But of course you don't want to lie. So, um, you know, what's, what's the perfect middle in in between guys? (laughs) I, I think overall, um, in my case, if we're talking about storytelling in El Salvador, it's it's both bitter. I think it's pretty bittersweet. Um, you have the outlandish, as in um, um, mythology, um, some urban legends. You know, we have like Cadejo, Siwanava. You know, these scary stories, right? But then. We also have, um, or I've heard a lot of stories of trauma from the Civil War in the 80s um, and how people 
dealt with stuff, and it was it's pretty interesting to see uh, how they are both intertwined with these type of situations. Because there was there was plenty of times where I've heard um, stories um, from my aunts, grandparents, where they would say, "Oh yeah, we were running away from." Uh, these uh, soldiers who were trying to kill us, and we had to hide somewhere in this, like, cave. Um, but then there's this other person who just so happened to see, like, the devil and ends up, like, dying, right? So there's this mix of realism and, like, f- fantasy that plays um, a role within one another, and it makes... I think it, it tries to better um, understand or put into a perspective of like daily things of life. I think especially in this case, like death, um, how how that plays into like effect, as well as religion, I think would also kind of culminate with everything overall. Um, so definitely, I think those would be kind of the stories you would be expected to see. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for from the sort of Alaskan thing, right, I think there's definitely um, a part of it, right, is when you go down to the lower 48, you know, you always, at least, you know, my family and, and with friends that we travel with, we joke about, you know, telling people tall tales because people just don't understand or have these interesting conceptions of Alaska, right, you know, and so you tell them all about how everyone lives in igloos and whatnot, you know, and you ride your woolly mammoth to school, yada, 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 yada. Yeah. But I think what's really interesting is, is that, you know, I mean, I don't tell people tall tales, but I do talk about Alaska here in New York, right? Um, I don't <laughs> probably annoy some of the people I know because I don't necessarily stop talking about Alaska, but, you know, it's my home, so whatever. Uh, but, like, the disbelief from things that seem very innocuous to me, like the one that really sticks with me is that whenever I uh, have talked before with people about um, car plugins, right, in Fairbanks, uh, they act like I'm telling them that we walk our cars around like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> like it's just so radically, I guess, like outside of of their conception of of a motor vehicles that they're like well how, how like like for just for electric vehicles like like how does it work like where do you plug it in at and i'm like it's you just you're plugging in your car so the battery don't die at 40 below you know but like no. it's just it's like it just it, so i find it very interesting just like the little things like the like uh, to me that's one of the most like banal things about like wintertime life in alaska right is like you know you make sure your vehicle's battery doesn't die, right? But then that is is this is just like such like a, like whoa, what are they doing up there? Kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. like so that that's what I found really interesting is you know when I'm just sharing small anecdotes about life in in Fairbanks, right? That <laughs> that it gets treated like I'm telling them the Northern Lights operate on a switch or something. Yeah. And so I've I, that's what I find really interesting is what what uh, you know. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And what they, what people just get like hung up on, and what like baffles them or puzzles them, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's rather extreme, I think, or rather extremely consistent. The questions that we get, um, 
you know, I'm currently in a fellow Alaskan fellow program and there are a group of folks that are all primarily from the East coast and one from the West coast. Um, <laughs> the same questions, you know, come up. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't blame them. It's, it's definitely bizarre to see what is it. Why is there a plug-in is that, but that's not a meter. It's, you know, you don't have to pay for parking. You plug it in. Okay. Why, you know, um, or, you know, we, we ask, um, you know, some of them go on, or some of us go on ski tri- ski trips or like hiking trips, and you know somebody was telling us to put like um, a trash can lid with coals under the car when you don't have a plug in, right? To start the, to keep the car warmed up so you can actually start it back up. Yeah. Um, you know somebody was using a hair dryer the other day to just keep their battery going, um, <laughs> or just trying to melt it. Uh, you know, we had ice mageddon this winter. Yeah. That was fun. You know, you know, snow on ice on snow, which means you got to dig. Um, these like common occurrences that I, I don't know. I feel it's as if I feel numb to it now. Right. Yeah. Or, or simple as like stepping outside and walking on ice or snow and not falling. Yeah. Um, an example, which just happened like maybe 40 minutes ago, one of our <laughs> friends, she was getting mail and she fell. And so if you're listening, sorry about that. Uh, probably hurt, but, um, you know, to be honest, like it, it's, it's this like sense of like belonging that adds to it. Of If you can adapt, if you can really, really experience it and feel like, you know, confident to just walk uh, outside. I think that's a big thing as well. Um, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I wanted to bring up an, another quick point, and, and since the three of us are here today and, and chat a little bit about our UAF experiences, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, when we have our final question, Dylan, that we should definitely ask as always, and I think hopefully JC has an answer to. Um, but, you know, I I think um, as, a, as a graduate from the, from the degree program here, and, and for you now that you're finally graduated, by the way, congratulations, JC. Um, it's a, it's a, congrats. Yeah. <laughs> um, you. JC, you've really worked hard for your degree and just like worked every day on it. And it's, it's, it's really, yeah, it's really something. I, I remember you were taking IR this, this past semester, international relations. And I was like, man, wow. Hey, you know, I imagine if we'd taken it together, <laughs> that would have been, but, uh, something else, but, uh, yeah, you know, having finished your degree now, um, any suggestions for students or prospective students who are taking classes? Um, you know, what what made your undergraduate degree meaningful to you? You know, um, now that in retrospect, I know you've you've only you know just graduated, yeah. uh, not not more than a month ago. Mm-hmm. But um, in retrospect, what, what sort of thoughts do you have and then dylan i know you're so far removed now at this point um uh it's you're anticipating your other master's degree so we'll we'll, uh we'll get back to you after jc's answer um well i have to to start out i guess i had a pretty unique experience throughout my whole undergrad since my first two years i think i had nine credits or less to start out because I, I basically came to Alaska on a whim, and I was like, "We'll see how it goes." Because I like to, I like to preface with this. Uh, I always grew up with people saying that college is an adventure, right? Whether that be because of like the friends you make, classes, where you are, all that stuff, right? Uh, so I always heard about that, and once I saw myself not really 
gravitating towards any university in Virginia. I decided to look online, put in what I was looking, criteria at the time. Originally, my degree plan was to do Japanese studies. Um, however, I found it was a little bit too narrow of a field. Um, so I put on that, all that stuff in, and UAF showed up as like the first option. And then I thought to myself for a week, uh, am I crazy enough to do this, to apply, to go to Alaska? Um, and in that week, um, I talked with people. I brought, I brought it up, and I just thought a lot. And it kind of na- narrowed itself down to, like, three things. Um, one, do I need to be close to family? And the answer was no, since I had pretty much been away from my parents since I was uh, 15, uh, since they both lived in El Salvador. So I was fine with that. Uh, what? How would I pay for it economically? <laughs> and I, I, I thought of this whole plan of like, okay, we're going to do this, try to apply for scholarships. I know there's something with the government, like loans, blah, 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 blah. I said my final thing in that list, if I couldn't actually pay for it, would be joining the military. <laughs> no shame on those who who do it. For me, I don't see myself as someone who could do it. Um, although now I, I think about it, I'm like, maybe I could have survived <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, and a third one was mainly, is is it the career choice that I really wanted? And... At that time, I said yes. Uh, so with all that, again, just working, not going to New York, <laughs> working all that time I had, like two years to save up to um, be able to come all the way up here. And then being up here, uh, realizing, shoot, I don't got the money for it. <laughs> but thankfully, um, the Student Support Services Program here, uh, SSS, uh, had uh, Victoria um, Smith as my advisor. Uh, she's the head of the program. Uh, I love her to death. She literally saved me <laughs> from not having to go back uh, to Virginia um, and just pretty much grinded out with as little as I had. Um, I think I only was taking like two classes at one point. Uh, I stayed uh, during winters to take classes, stayed during summers to take classes, like any little break thing, I took it just so I could stay on time. Uh, And although it took me four and a half years to graduate, but hey, I did it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think going back to uh, advice for for other people, it it would be, you know, take things at your own pace, Um, really kind of sit down and lay out how everything's going to go into work, see what resources you have available to to make it happen. Um, and if at any point you have to extend your um, your ideal plan, like if you said you want to do it in four years and due to circumstances you couldn't do it, um, don't don't feel bad about it. I mean, all my friends pretty much graduated before I did. <laughs> so just just one semester, though. So yeah, I but mean, still, yeah. I mean, didn't get yeah. to go walk with you guys or whatever, yeah. as the idea was. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, just Definitely. feel prideful from 
how you manage. Yeah. You didn't stop. You didn't quit. You managed to get there. And that's what counts, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The and journey, then, I mean. Yeah. yeah. And then also like another small thing um, for anyone uh, going into schools would be uh, college, I would say, is basically the place you go to network. Right. Doesn't mean that every single person you meet is going to be your friend, your best buddy, buddy. Sometimes you just know people. And I guess that's why I beat Kevin and <laughs> knowing so many people, because I guess I network. I just like talk with people because um, you never know. They might be they might end up giving you an opportunity or you they might be a resource that you will be able to use in something in the future. Um, so definitely don't be shy and just talk with anyone, even if you add them on social media or whatever, and never talk to, to them again. You never know. There might be that one possibility that they say hey i got this job you interested you know that could be the start of something yeah that openness to to uh anything and everything extending to of course as you say right um you know just meeting new people talking with them you know just getting getting to know folks getting acquainted with folks absolutely i'll say though too jst don't worry because i didn't get to walk at all because i graduated <laughs> spring of 2020 right mm. so we didn't <laughs> we didn't get it we got a powerpoint basically right. uh, all respect to the university for doing what they could in a difficult time but obviously it was very different than um you know what anybody had imagined so yeah i so, get that so far i just got an email saying congrats um <laughs> uh, now do the financial exit whatever thing <laughs> The oh, loan exit, yeah. whatever, yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. which yeah. is really annoying right now. I haven't been able to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That the uh, exit survey and all that. Yeah, um, I guess just to respond to your question originally, real quickly, Kevin. Um, well, actually, what I'll say too is is um, <laughs> basically how you felt, JC, in some ways at least, on on moving to Fairbanks was kind of. It reminiscent for me of my decision to come to New York, right? Um, you know, at a certain point of just being like, could I do it? Is this worth it? Is this insane? Am I being insane right now? You know, like, is this a really bad idea that I'm just like convincing myself of the merits of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so far it's working out. I don't know. We'll report back in another year, in another <laughs> year and a half, you know, but uh, so far so good. So I get that. But yeah, I mean, um, definitely just yeah again i would i would emphasize um sort of what jc was saying earlier and stuff that i've said you know in the past on the show right of just um being open and willing to seize on all kinds of new opportunities right um you know that's that's what made my undergraduate experience what it was right you know whether that was uh, getting the scholarship that i got to study in berlin right or you know, starting a radio show with my best friend, you know, like just finding the, the opportunities, right. Uh, uh, just, you know, landing on those and, and being willing to just say yes to what comes along your way for sure. I think is, is quite vital, uh, to a enjoyable and successful undergraduate endeavor. So that's how I'd respond to your question, Kevin. Just getting out of the comfort zone. <laughs> it really is. I mean, yeah, that's uh, make, making yourself more confident. Um, speaking of which, this is Speaking of Anthropology on KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks. Uh, we have on the show today JC Juan Cruz, a uh, good friend of the show, good friend of KSUA, and uh, yeah, another awesome person. Um, 
we had one question for you before we wrapped up, and this is the final question. And you know, I'm always asking it. So today, we have another uh, special opportunity, <laughs> Dylan, to drop the uh, drop the ball like the New York Eve ball, <laughs> as you are in New York. Uh, That's no. Happy New Year! <laughs> happy Chinese New Year! It's February, February, by the way, too. It is February, but it's okay. happy there's New that. Year. Yes, it's happy Happy Lunar New Year. Yes, <laughs> Happy there Lunar New Year. Drop the ball. Oh, Anyways, here they don't drop a ball in New York for they, that. They, um, they but yeah, also yeah. I just want to say as an aside, statistically, I don't know that it's borne out that you're always asking the question, especially if you listen to episode fifty, right? Uh, I think it's close to 50-50 split. 50-50. But yes, I will ask you, JC. Mm. So, as we ask everyone who comes on speaking of anthropology, what is anthropology to you, JC? Man, this is going to be the, the whether or not I get the certificate, right? <laughs> this is your final exam. Yeah, this is my final exam. Yeah. Oh, shoot. All right. Uh, I would define anthropology as being able to to explore what is outside of your general knowledge um understand others perspectives uh and kind of how, how you said it it was not to um make a spectacle of how people live but rather understand it in a more uh you say humanistic style like lifestyles their their lifestyles and see why their lifestyle works how 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 does it work why does it work um given their conditions um and what what can you implement um whether that be values um ideas experiences uh, into your own lifestyle in order to help teach that to others. Did I pass? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's quite calculating, a, quite a calculating. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, it's up to it's Kevin's question, so he gets the final say on that. But I rather like that response quite a bit. Uh, I I think that is a very um, interesting definition, and I do especially appreciate your emphasis on on you know. Um, it being something that you carry with you in terms of, of something learned and something that you then take with you as <laughs> as part of growing as a human being as well, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, I do think uh, that ideally in part of part of anthropology um, is to an extent that just, you know, personal growth that uh, everybody, you know, finds in their own lives. But like when you're exposing yourself and you're working you know to again put yourself outside of your comfort zone to try and understand different different modes of being um uh, honestly it might be slightly concerning if someone could do all that without any self-reflection or personal growth about their own selves or their own values that's my personal judgment but i do think you know that 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 i think for a lot of people that's going to provoke you know some thoughts about about how they live in the world and and how they how they view it for sure and I, I think that's very healthy and and good and I think it, that can be a um an interesting part of anthropology as an individual as an individual anthropologist for sure so thank you for that yeah definitely yeah well JC um 
Thanks so much. Yeah, great answer, and you pass. So. <laughs> yes. Um, C plus, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, average, average. Now, um, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Um, it's been really a pleasure to chat with you. And again, congrats on graduating. And um, you know, we'll have to have JC back on the show once he's off somewhere else in the world, um, and uh, we'll be in three different time zones. That would be that'd be rad. It'll be a mess, but it'll be fun. It'll be a mess. It'll be fun. <laughs> Dylan, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up here? I just congrats on graduating, JC, and I uh, look forward to hearing about your next set of adventures for sure. Thank you. Speaking of Anthology is a award-winning show. We're available every Friday from 11 to noon. It's going to be every other week from here on out. Uh, tune in KSUA 91.5 FM Fairbanks, as well as on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Uh, you can find more information on KSUARadio.com. Uh, on Speaking of Anthropology and uh, check out the podcast page. JC, again, thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. <laughs>